Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing, buy an extra long trench coat, and convince people that we're the world's tallest man? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. Episode three, baby. Episode three, baby. <laughs> 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 Made it this far, motherfucker. Only 13 weeks to go. Oh, my God. Oh, that's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Um, yeah, how, how was you guys week? Oh, fucking A. It was busier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, Life finds a way. Life finds a way. My day yeah. was... Uh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, continue. Well, I was going to say my week was also busy. I finished the very difficult and uh, involved project at work and uh, I'm glad that I set the bar kind of low for myself last week <laughs> because yeah. if I had said like alright I'm going to do a 40 page outline and you know I would have done none of it and felt really bad about myself so yeah um, I spent the whole week uh, working overnights so um, I'm very tired <laughs> I had it was a very slow shoot so I had lots and lots of time to, to scribble in my composition notebook. So, I mean, good news, I wrote a lot. Bad news, I wrote all of it at 4 a.m. So <laughs> we are just going to find, find out, out how weird it is. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so I think this week we should, we actually have stuff to share, which is exciting. We've written stuff. Um, so I don't know, I think we should just start by... Sharing what we got. So, uh, Peter, you had to go last last time. So, why don't we start with you? And share how you got there. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we're always interested in process, right? Mm. Yeah, I guess I'll start with process because um, my process was uh, let's see, the first two weeks I. I read books just like to get an academic understanding of how to write screenplays again because it's been a while. But um, this past week, I didn't have as much time to read actual books, uh, but I did do a lot of online research. Um, I read a bunch of blogs. I read... um, some uh, uh, I, I watched some trailers. I read some beat sheets. I uh, I went to this website that tells you where you can stream various things, and I skipped around randomly and in movies to see like where things happen. Oh, cool! That's, cool. That's a really neat yeah, what exercise. Are, what, yeah. what are some of the movies that? Hit it for you. Um, I I remembered the Robin Williams movie, uh, World's Greatest Dad. Mm-hmm. It's very different from my movie, but I, I remember it having a, an extremely distinct first image and last image. So I went and uh, found it on Hulu, and I found that the first image is... The first thing you see is the words, the end, uh, mirrored. 
Uh, so it's like it's the beginning, and then you see Rob Williams. Uh, he's printing out his manuscript of his shitty novel, and he's alone and miserable, and uh, that's his whole thing. And then I remember I, I didn't have to get any farther because I remember that the theme stated in this movie is uh, the uh, the worst thing is not being alone; it's being with people who make you feel alone. And then I just skip to the very end, and the final image is him with his new family of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, how, how can I do something that is that distinctly different first and last image? Yeah. The other one that I did it with was uh, Wedding Crashers. Um, I found an old blog by Blake Snyder that's a beat-by-beat breakdown of, uh, of Wedding Crashers. And I was like, well, do these things that he describes happening happen at the right times? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing I found is that Wedding Crashers has kind of a weak midpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, the midpoint is just um, uh, Vince Vaughn tells Owen Wilson, like, if you don't get with this girl, uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, by the end of the day today, then we're out. Yeah. Uh, I'm out of being your wedding crashing buddy, basically. And uh, it's what a great friend. What a great <laughs> friend, yeah. But it makes sense because it sets the time lock for the like third act and all that. Shit, yeah, you know? yeah. It it does all that, yeah. but it's it serves its, its not purpose, like, but it's not dramatically interesting, really. Because I was thinking that the midpoint of Wedding Crashers would have been just from my memory of having seen it however many years ago, would have been something like them getting kicked off the manor or whatever or like yeah. having a confrontation with Bradley Cooper's character who's Rachel McAdams' fiance oh, that's right uh, that yeah and, uh, and those things happen later and the midpoint is something else yeah and huh. it kind of eased my anxiety about having a big crazy midpoint but I do have a big crazy midpoint <laughs> so uh, so now that I've monologued for a little while, I guess I'll just go into what I have. Um, yeah. So I don't think I've mentioned in either of the previous two episodes that I came up with a title for this uh, this project. It's a working title. It may not stick around, and I know Evan hates it, but it's... Uh, I think we have this mutual thing where we just have to hate each other's titles. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, right now it's called Can't Get You Out of My Head. Which, uh, I think, you know, you can see the poster for that movie. Like, she's wrapped, like, a tiny version of her is wrapped around his head and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. She's, she's, her mouth is agape and she's, uh, feeding, <laughs> slowly feeding his, his body into her, in her mouth, serving like. Yes, that's yeah. exactly, uh, what I had in mind. Uh, she just opened her, opens her jaw like a lamprey eel and right. just has 30 rows of teeth and <laughs> sucks his life force out. Charlie's Theron is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, that's the title for now. Uh, what is it? I, can, I, can, I, can I just interject real Please quick? Please do. Uh, I like that Can't Get You Out of My Head is uh, related to like brain parasites and also romance. Mm-hmm. I like that about it. I also like that it has a cohesive rhythm. Like a song lyric? Well, it's a song by Kylie Minogue. Yeah. Uh, I have heard, I don't know, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when a title, like, says all the important information in it and doesn't have, like, a nice symmetrical rhythm to it. It bothers me. So anyway, that's a good thing about it. Thank you. 
And would you mind sharing what you don't like about it? Do you think it's too pat or too cute or like what's... I just think it's too long. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the core of it. I it's mean, seven but, words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, hey, get you out of my head. It's more than halfway to Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. <laughs> and not quite as far as Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a, a, a perfectly good working title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see where it goes from, from here. If, uh, because I came up with a lot of really bad titles that I just threw out to kind of try to get to it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then this song came on <laughs> your, your your feel good workout playlist, <laughs> and it was just it was Shakespeare and love all of a sudden. Where I hear the thing, I see the thing in real life, and it goes into my creative work. Uh, <laughs> so it's a uh, it's a romantic comedy slash sci fi. Um, and let's just, yeah, let's just go straight through it. So the opening image on page one is our, uh, the male character. This is a two-hander. Uh, so the both characters arc in the love interest story. Uh, the male character is alone, drunk, and miserable on his couch. And then the female character, Sammy, is the inverse. She's training relentlessly. She's growing crops, recycling her sweat the whole nine. Mm -hmm. Um... And then uh, the theme stated, which not every movie needs to have this, I don't think, but uh, I think it's good. Yeah. It couldn't hurt to, to plan for right. it. Right. Yeah. It's a healthy thing to have, I guess. You don't need to surrender your independence to be a better person. Uh, someone is telling him that while they have a brainworm in their head that makes them be a better person. So <laughs> it's like, is it possible to uh, be a better person without giving up independence? Who knows? Right. Um, so then the setup is just uh, the funny little trailer moments, like the, the first episode of Last Man on Earth, where uh, Greg is living as the only uninfected person in town. He's at home, he's watching reality TV, he takes out his trash and yells, fuck you to his neighbors, whatever, that kind of thing. He works at a juice distribution company, because that's what all the companies are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and he just doesn't fit in there, and then he tries to meet up with his coworkers uh, to serve them his homebrewed cider. In previous drafts, it was beer, but then I realized they probably don't have hops anymore. Right. So it would have to be cider. Okay. Um, that's a that's a funny yeah that's a funny well, conflict. Go ahead. Um, this is a good thing to have here because it's tied to what you have later and the midpoint yeah mm-hmm. and the whole second half of the so I'll, I'll save my comments okay. for, yeah. but, but I like that yeah so then uh, if, at the same time in the setup uh, we've already seen Sammy doing her thing and now uh, this alarm goes off says it's been five years Sammy's like okay it must be safe so she goes she leaves her bunker the catalyst is uh, Greg goes to a symbiosis kiosk at the mall to get his own brainworm because he's given up. Right. Uh, and then before he can do that, he sees Sammy. I don't know. I haven't figured out the meet cute yet, but mm-hmm. he realizes she doesn't have one and is faking it. Uh, so the scenes with Sammy happened earlier. Um, and then the debate is Greg trying to find Sammy and then pursuing her when he figures out where she is in this town. Um, uh, it's just like the will they ever see each other again will they do something uh, together the break into two uh, Greg and Sammy agree uh, to repopulate humanity 
that was what Sammy's purpose was in the bunker. She was like, I will be the savior. Of, I will be Eve, you right. know, for, right. for humanity in case things go to shit. Uh, but she hates Greg uh, because he's a piece of shit mm-hmm. at first. And she's like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll agree if you can become a better person. Uh, and we've gotten to know each other a little bit. We'll we'll do this thing. We'll save humanity. I don't know if this is what you're picturing, but I, I love the idea of a scene where they're like, okay, let's, uh, I mean, we should repopulate the earth. It's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. They like are in some sexy place and it's like, should we wait? Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe until I, I don't know you yet, and this is a really awkward kind of. I don't mean to be weird. Is it okay if we if we hold off for a minute? <laughs> and then the yeah. other person's like, "Oh, thank God." Yeah. So, uh, so that's the break into is uh, it, uh, what leads us into the rest of the story. It's like in in one Harry Met Sally. It's like, okay, we'll see if we can be friends. Right. Uh, in this, it's like, we'll see if we can save humanity. But first, let's do all this other stuff that delays inevitable. Right. Uh, the B story, Greg gets a personal trainer. who's some funny uh, Rob Lowe and Parks and Rec kind of character. And Sammy uh, has to get a, a life coach or like a symbiosis coach or whatever. Someone who trains her on how to like chill out, basically, and fit in with, uh, with the world. And is, is that at... Greg's request is he like you should get you should learn how to chill out or I'm not sure okay gotcha. that's a good that's a good question okay um I think that uh probably it could be something like it, it, in my mind it's Sammy seeks out a life coach because she's like I've been underground for so long that you know I don't know how this new world functions um but it could just be Greg is like, you've been underground so long. You don't understand how the world functions anymore. Let me introduce you to someone who can be discreet about this whole thing and, you know, train you. Mm-hmm. But either way, the life coach is going to be like a really chilled out, like Paul Rudd and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Do they, does the life coach have a symbiote? Yes, everyone does okay. except for Greg and Sammy. Um, so that could be another part of the debate against it is like, she's, she's got a symbiote too. How, what's she going to tell me about or, um, yeah, just someone that she can interact with that's separate from Greg. Oh, I guess yeah. this is what matters here. And the fun and games. Uh, I mentioned that I, I watched some trailers. I watched the trailer to Knocked Up, and it plays heavily into the whole uh, the the scenes where they're uh, they've agreed to at least see each other again, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't know what they're doing and. Um, uh, Seth Rogen's character Ben is like this uh, overweight unemployed stoner shopping for baby Bjorns <laughs> and that's the promise yeah. of the premise of Knocked Up mm-hmm. that's all in the fun and games so the fun and games uh, beat 8 for the first half of the second act of this is Greg and Sammy uh, basically try to learn not to hate each other while exploring the possibilities of this world where they're like hey we can do anything and anyone will just put up with us and Greg can kind of show Sammy around and be like oh let me show you this cool trick you know that yeah. kind of thing want to, want to see what happens if you throw an empty glass bottle at someone's head <laughs> check it out and it's just like oh, nice one there bucko great reflexes yeah. <laughs> I do that every day <laughs> uh, and in, in, in these pages it's, it's also when they start to experience initial attraction for one another. Mm-hmm. 
So the midpoint is, um, I noticed a lot of midpoints have like a one-two punch where it's like there's a big false victory where everything feels great and then immediately the stakes get raised in some intense way. Right. Uh, In this one, Greg and Sammy, they go to um, Greg's company party. They uh, Greg spikes the punch with uh, the cider that he's been brewing, just as like a fun little gag. They're mm-hmm. like, all right, that'll distract him for a while. They go off, they have sex. Sex at sixty is what uh, what the old scribes called it. <laughs> you want to have a sex scene halfway through your movie, right? Um, and uh, they they come back and they realize that uh, they've unleashed un- accidentally unleashed the thing that kills the brain worms, alcohol. Uh, anytime someone has more than a sip of alcohol, it kills the brain worm that's in their head. And is the person now liberated, or are they like sort of a zombie-like husk? Uh, they kind of in the middle, where okay. they uh, they no longer have real independent function, and they can't handle living normally. Right. Um, so like gray blanket. Yeah. 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 Okay. Or, like if, uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, you get it. It's it's they're not like completely dead eyed, but they lose their will to live more or less. Your your premise is not over, but there's that potential. It, it could in the future. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. And this has only affected a few people so far. Right. Um, so it's like, oh, here we go. And I think this is usually where you introduce a ticking clock of some kind. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the ticking clock is going to be. Or if there will be one at all. Uh, But something where it's like, we have X amount of days until this alcohol in the juice reaches the world's population or whatever. Yeah, how does it spread? I I haven't figured that out. Mm -hmm. I gotta figure it out. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It feels like something that would occur because of bitter people. Where when when they lose their brain symbiote, they start giving other people alcohol. It's just like a yeah, yeah. Where they're like they're like fuck you, <laughs> you're not allowed to have this either. You know, or it's like the and like because not everyone who gets turned back will be a good person. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. who has this knowledge? And that's kind of how I feel like it spreads that organically thing yeah. like through people just doing it to other people. Mostly maliciously, and so you know, and some people might like feel liberated and be like, "Oh my god." I'm thinking there could be like a, a a character who was Greg's corporate rival years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, or it, like is the guy who bullies him at work, but in a very positive, constructive way. <laughs> uh, and that guy, when he loses his brain worm, he just becomes the villain yeah. because he's like, all right, if I fuck this, fuck all of you. Uh, I, I was a dick before. I'm a dick now. I'm a dick again. <laughs> I'm so glad that I get to be a dick again. Right. Yeah. He and, just uh, like wakes up and is like, I'm a dick again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh. This this midpoint is also kind of inspired by signs because okay. I thought that was oh, the yeah. dumbest yeah. thing to ever happen in I wanted a to say, movie. Yeah, it, it does remind you a little bit of that too, where it's just like it's fucking water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like signs meets War of the Worlds, you know, it's okay. kind of in the in the middle brow wise. And it, it feels like a really fun Edgar Wrighty opportunity to like have sort of a classic sci fi trope, but but have it be something really low brow instead, where it's like the, the aliens are just crazy for that good good booze (laughs) (laughs) one thing I was thinking and you were this is a bad idea you shouldn't do but uh, the you mentioned like I'm trying to think of a way to get the ticking clock like what if 
the symbiotes like for whatever reason are just wild for the alcohol in like this like they're way it's way more addictive to them than it is to us so like whereas will like it'll take us at least like 15 or 20 years to die of our alcoholism like the the symbiotes have one sip and they're like hey uh what happens to that cider and they just like within like an hour drink enough of it to kill themselves yeah so it's like they're sort of the spreading like like once they've gotten the taste it kind of is like they're just constant like then you know like maybe they i don't know this is a, a possibility yeah it's definitely a possibility yeah. uh it's one thing that i'll consider when putting together my my big master solution to all this sure 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 sure, sure. Um, big five-year plan yeah fucking communist yeah. so uh so so number 10 uh number 10 is um the people start losing symbiotes left and right um i think this is a. Uh, one thing I, I like about the script is that, it, uh, or this idea so far, it's not a script yet, is that it provides a lot of opportunities for comic actors and bit parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a lot of fun that people can have with uh, being very uptight at the beginning and then be- becoming like complete messes later. Yeah. So people start losing symbiotes. And the original issues between Greg and Sammy resurface. They can't, their relationship, whatever tenuous it was already, can't hold up to the strain. And they've also realized that they've changed themselves too much. Greg has now become sort of a, a, a obsessive in the way that Sammy was. And Sammy, I use the word slob here. I don't think that's really the right word. Yeah, um, I think it's just she's become too chilled out where, like, when the symbiotes start dying, Greg is the one who panics because right. he's used to it. Mm-hmm. And Sammy's just like be chill and he's like no this is not the time to be chill I know I was the one who inspired you to go get chill but don't be chill right now right. <laughs> she discovers weed yeah that <laughs> uh, could be part of it the only stoner uh, left he's like you're, you're, this is all wrong yeah. that becomes her symbiote man uh, so you seem like you're about to say something no 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 oh, okay <laughs> So then uh, they, they can't figure out if they're going to do anything about the symbiotes. Like, yeah. we can't, we don't know how to solve this this problem that symbiotes are dying left mm-hmm. and right. So uh, the all is lost moment is uh, Greg's personal trainer who loses his symbiote uh, accidentally dies in some <laughs> darkly comic way. I'm thinking that he just like is exaggerating like man flu symptoms he's like I just don't want to go outside I don't want to do anything I might as well just throw myself into traffic and he's being dramatic he's not actually trying to kill himself but then he wanders into traffic to prove a point and gets hit by a bus or something like that Um, and when they see that Greg and Sandy they're like okay uh, we're fucking up we should go our separate ways right Um, I feel like it, it could be something that like he is trying to do that he would have done with the symbiote, like juicing. Like some epic juicing accident kills him. He's like, I just want to be better. He's like, he's like frantically trying to cling to that old life. Yeah. He's like, I was so much happier before. I felt good every day. Uh, one thing that I specifically pictured was like him getting crushed by weights. Right. When he's trying to lift. Yeah. Where he's yeah. like, I, I can still. I can probably lift more now that the symbiote's not holding me back. <laughs> Look at me! I'm gonna clean and jerk 600 pounds! And then right. he just gets crushed under right. the barbell. Right, yeah, but he's, he's almost in ridiculous denial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think it's a possibility. Cool. The Dark Knight of the Soul is just Greg and Sammy. I'm, I'm picturing, like, 
in the Dark Knight of the Soul in Shrek is when they play uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's just Shrek being sad in the swamp, going back to his old ways and not feeling happy about it. And Fiona being caught up in the castle and like, guess I'll marry this Farquaad guy. Uh, the Dark Knight of the Soul is, is like this, where uh, Greg like is he shuts himself up in his room with the last two salty snacks, and Sammy literally shuts herself up in the bunker again. She's like, okay, humanity is is fucked again. Uh, I, I need to take another five years. Right. She's like reverted. It, it, it would be. It could be a great shot of her like resetting the clock. Like she goes back and is like, she's like dialing it up. Three years, four years. Why do I have to do this by the day? I built this myself out of lemons and potatoes. So that's that's the Dark Knight Soul. Is them just like, yeah. So the break in the three is Greg decides to do something about the symbiotes. Uh, I have the beat now is just like he he opens the window and sees that it's become like a Shaun of the Dead chaos nightmare Yeah, world. and I feel I imagine uh, this would just be like kind of a, a funny moment where he just yeah. like he opens the window and it's just a shit show. Yeah. You know, I, I but I'm trying to think of what could specifically inspire him to take the action other than just like I guess I gotta do it I, I think there's usually a character who says like you gotta do something he's like I'll do something and then he right. goes off and does something like, I don't know what it, he's, he's, he's gotta meet with some goddess <laughs> yeah so then the A and B stories cross and the uh, the that's the breaking of three that we just talked about um, He oh yeah he decides like I gotta do something the only person who I know who can survive independently is Sammy so despite our differences, I gotta go get her. Uh, so in the finale, the last uh, 25 pages or so, the A&B stories cross as Greg tracks down Sammy's life coach uh, and is like, who's the only person who knows where Sammy's bunker is? Mm-hmm. And then in rom-coms, there's always race to the airport scene. Uh, and this one's not an airport, it's a bunker. And uh, there's a very dramatic, touching scene where uh, Greg confesses his love for Sammy over the bunker in her comm. <laughs> and uh, then she opens the door to the bunker and her heart. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fuck me, right? Uh, and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll save humanity. And then the last five pages or so are them saving humanity, more or less, by training them on basically uh, what uh, the robots do in the last scene of WALL-E, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where they're like, okay, yeah, you, you, yeah, you're learning well, to walk. Uh-huh. The whole credit sequence of Wally. Yeah. Is that, is yeah. that like last little bit? I'd also love it if, if there was it was like, okay, listen. You you need to treat yourself sometimes. It's important to like, you know, have these nice salty treats and uh, as a way to reward yourself. But really you shouldn't go overboard. <laughs> yeah. There's like some sort of like middle of the road like Buddhist, yeah. like the 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 answer is the middle path. Like, it's the synthesis of right. the the original world and then the crazy upside down world yeah where it's like okay Greg you, you don't need to be like really uptight and you don't need to be destroying yourself and your body how about you keep brewing your cider but you cert because you're the only person in the world who knows how to make alcohol anymore so how about you do that you'll be a millionaire <laughs> cleanse the land yeah you'll be a millionaire and you'll cleanse the world of these symbiotes that turned out to not be so good for everybody um 
Uh, I think this is awesome, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is this. I, I feel like um, the sign of a good outline is that there's lots of space for you to succeed in writing good scenes, and I feel like you've really done that here. Um, you you mentioned that you uh, you weren't sure quite what the meeting with the goddess moment was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you shouldn't necessarily do this, but the first thing that popped into my head when you were reading this was like. You said that like his dark night of the soul was he's like eating the last of his salty snacks. And I like the idea that there's some sort of like crazy wild hedonism riot that happens where like the doors of his house are getting ripped off as people are like, where's the Doritos? Like, <laughs> people are literally just like, like, like smashing bought like bottles of Mountain Dew and like pouring them directly into where it's just like and, and Greg kind of sees this as like a dark mirror of himself where he's like, is this really like like, like <laughs> is this humanity? Is, is this, this what hum- we are? Exactly. And he's like, no, damn it, like we can do better. Like Sammy is proof that we can do better. And like also if I don't get her help, like I'm probably gonna get devoured by this, like, <laughs> by this, fe- this fevered angry mob just because I, I happen to have beef jerky hidden under the floorboards. <laughs> I know. His 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 house is like the cabin in heavyweights. Oh yeah. <laughs> just snacks just... hidden everywhere. <laughs> uh, muscle weighs more than fat. It was Ben Stiller, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I yeah I, I think I think the bones of this thing are, are really really strong um, and I I like that you've given yourself a lot of possibility space especially in the fun and games and the bad guys close in it just seems like there's tons and tons of scenes that you could potentially write there that just seem like they have a, a, a lot of really interesting potential um, one question which uh, this isn't even really a question it's just something that occurred to me in act one um and i i don't even know if this is a suggestion it's just something that popped in my head but uh you you start sort of sammy in the bunker and then her kind of setup is the alarm goes off she decides to uh sort of go out and and okay it's time to to rejoin and then the next time we see her she's at the mall trying to blend in Mm. um I have seen a lot of scenes of post-apocalyptic people surviving in bunkers. I haven't seen that many scenes of people uh, sort of surviving by pretending to be like a a juicer workout like fitness guru. Hmm. That to me feels like a more compelling uh, starting off point yeah. and I wonder if if there's a version of this where her opening image is the alarm going off and it's like my god it's time and then her setup is like her like <laughs> yes this juice is invigorating and, and sort of the scenes of her like realizing oh my god this is what the world has become and and sort of deciding like okay, I guess what I have to do to survive now is, like, put on this show of pretending to be and, and, and sort of her... If we, if we kind of spend some good time with her despair at, like, the rest of my life is pretending to 
then it wouldn't be like a he stumbles upon her and right. why you know and and then her, and her joy at seeing a fat slob <laughs> would would sort of have been maybe more set up there and it just yeah. it, 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 there's a lot of ways you could do that there's plenty of really compelling bunker scenes that you could write it's just that as you were reading through it that line of her trying to blend in at the mall just compelled me more than her recycling her sweat and stuff. That was one thing I was worried about too in the the bunker stuff is that like I I feel like what I have in mind for her doing in the bunker can be done in less than a page. Right. You know? And like and she needs to have more setup than that because it's she has equal weight in stories as Greg does. Yeah. Uh, so I think it could be Yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah, something to think about. I, I think I think that like right off the top of my head, I feel like I could think of like five really fun scenes of like a a like savage hunter trying to blend in amongst like a bunch of CrossFit people. Like, <laughs> that, just, that just feels fun, and and I, I feel like you're a really good writer, and I'm, I feel like you can come up with a lot of fun scenes in that in that space. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Evan, yeah. Did, yeah, did you did you have any other final thoughts about this uh, this beat sheet? Yeah, um, I want you. Uh, first off, I like the twist. I like the midpoint. I like all of that because it's 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 just simple enough to work, you know. Um, but I feel like it could be set up a lot better if if it like they have some sort of outsized reaction at the beginning to it, you know, where it's just like they act really weird toward it because the symbiote oh, yeah. probably knows what it does. Yeah, I had I had that in in mind in the in the setup scene where it's at work at play at home, right? And the last one is at play, and the at play scene is he tries to get his coworkers out to drink his cider, mm-hmm. and he's like. You gotta try my cider, guys, and they're like, "No, please, just yeah. anything with that." <laughs> Praise Jesus. And and what's what's fun about that is is that scans with just the themes of the story, which is like mm-hmm. they are all about health, health, you know, healthfulness and good living, and he's all about hedonism, and yeah. and that seems like a classic, like oh, so lame. They won't even try my homemade cider. <laughs> yeah. But then that that could be a really fun payoff later on. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my God, no, they they really yeah. Do. Um, in, in that same scene, um, the Sammy leaving her bunker, I think the best example I've seen of this is Blast from the Past. Where the Brennan Fraser movie? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. where he, they, they open the hatch and they're like in a punk rock store. It's like super dark and full of smoke and it's just like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, it's just like having it be uh, some type of extreme yeah. Is, is what yeah. would be cool is having her step right into it you know instead of like she comes of, out in a Whole Foods somewhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it could be fun if you don't disclose the location of her bunker to the audience until the end of the movie and there's some sort of fun significance like you know I, like you know we, we see her sort of go like okay time to leave and then we cut and she's like outside and then you know maybe they have some conversation in the middle where she's like you know 
like, like I, I never, I know, like, oh, I, oh, this is, this is stupid. So do not, I beg you, don't do this. But Probably do it. No, 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 no. This is, this is stupid. Like, you know, like all I ever wanted was the simple life. My grandma had a vegetable garden, and I always remembered growing the carrots with my grandma. And he's like, wow, that sounds nice. You have a lot of depth, lady. And then it turns out the bunkers in the vegetable garden, and there's a significant. That's the Ready Player One. What's the password scene? Exactly, exactly. Like, uh, you know, they, you, you could do some sort of, like, reveal where the, the location of the bunker has some kind of significance that teaches him something. Know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a possibility space. Yeah, it's uh, a possibility space. I would definitely also, also like to uh, encourage you to do a time lock of some kind. Yeah. I think that really help it out where it's like, it's, it's like we we leave in two months or something you know this is the date or it's almost a long thing that you kind of forget about and then it comes up again or um cause, and I got really excited when I saw Race to the Airport when I thought that didn't know that was a trope <laughs> uh, it's like oh they're doing that you just set up that uh, yeah I guess that is a thing isn't it <laughs> um but the my, my last and only note is uh with Greg be careful how much of a dick you make him Oh yeah, because because writing his that type of stuff where he just like fucks with people is real fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's definitely a limit to to how much someone because you can you can go the Jody Hill route and just make like observe and report or foot fist way where you just like hate the main character. Yeah, yeah. But it's still funny somehow. <laughs> yeah, but there, there's definitely a fine line to walk, and there's just. Um, yeah, I think an interesting challenge that you've set up for yourself is giving Greg the transformation of going from being sort of the funniest version of a hedonistic slob at the beginning to someone who is sort of the opposite of that by the middle and then the reverse for Sammy, like in a way that feels organic and natural. And I, I, I don't think that's unattainable. And I don't think that the sort of the timeline you've set up with pages is, isn't, uh, conducive to that it's but it's definitely a fun like like as you wrote that down i was like oh interesting okay so like scene by scene there's going to be sort of a tracking of like where is he on the the on the spectrum on, on the carrot on the carrot uh, miller high life <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting challenge and it'll it'll be fun to see how you sort of have those scenes work out where like scene by scene he kind of gets pushed further and further Cool. Um, anything else either of you want to add before we move on to Evans? Oh no! Thank you. Uh, now I now I just want to add things to to stall. Oh, um, <laughs> man! All right. Well, that means it's definitely time. Uh, Peter, thanks for sharing that. This is really cool. I'm looking yeah, forward I, to. Yeah, I, I honestly, dude, I, I really like this idea. Um, it is a very sound idea. You know, it's just like it's got good things going for it. And it's real compelling. So thank you. Yeah, and, and you really fleshed it out well. Like you, 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 you brought it into the world really well. Yeah, I think you're gonna have fun with this one. Yay! Um, all right, Pew. All right. So uh, yeah, tell us, tell us about your your process this past week and, and kind of what uh, what did your what did your workflow look like as you were, <laughs> you were doing doing the stuff that you did. My workflow looked like a week stream. Um, <laughs> no, it was a lot of starting and stopping, and it was a lot of uh, trying really hard and not getting much done. Uh, this that week. sounds like writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
and and but I, I did my best to focus on um, the the characters and I tried researching and going out and and looking for alternative means for like developing a character because mm-hmm. um, I've done those I've done those uh, sheets that I have I've done that so much that it feels kind of just rote and boring and so I, I um, set out set out to kind of like discover other ways and like. So I looked at Save the Cat a little bit and read all through that. Um, and How to Write a Movie in 21 Days has some good stuff. And I looked at a couple other books that were like fiction writing, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get a sense of the characters. And then I sat down and tried to write as much as I could, uh, like more first person stuff. And I made it through three characters, but I have like the other two kind of, I, I have an idea of them. Um, but even though it scares the shit out of me, I, I, I want to go through each one and kind of tell you guys about them. Cool. And before you get into that, did you, when you were doing your research, did you find any, like, alternate versions of uh, sort of character building exercises that you thought were particularly useful? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, man. It all just was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was all kind of the same thing. It was just like... Although one thing, I guess, was um, you, you, you sent over that um, I guess like expanded and colorized beat sheet thing mm-hmm. and it had that log line mad lib at the bottom right yeah um and I, I looked at that and was like oh if i did one of those for every character i'd have like every story done mm-hmm. but um that that's been about the only thing i haven't explored that yet but i don't know i just i i'm really i'm really defensive about this whole thing and i just want to open up about it because it's hurts <laughs> yeah it scares me um i remember last night talking to you a little bit about this uh where i was just i was ranting about um like the key ingredients of some screenplays or some types of ar- archetypes of stories where there's like in a in a love story there's usually uh, an incomplete hero it's someone we really like but has problems yeah and uh their perfect counterpart mm-hmm. who may also be an incomplete hero in their own right right and then a complication like Titanic complication is that they hit an iceberg <laughs> you know Harry met Sally it's they can't agree if men and women can be friends or not yeah you know so it can be anywhere on a wide scale of things and uh I, I'd be interested to hear what you've thought, not just about characters, but about potential complications for them. Uh, yeah. Um, when I was writing today, I was looking more towards like what they seek, um, mm-hmm. and and what they're what they're after. Um, but I don't know. It's it's just it's been a really tough process just kind of coming up with anything they do. You know, right. and it's just like. Creating action of some kind, you know, and figuring that out—it's been really difficult. Um, well, I, I think this is really important to talk about because, <laughs> like, Man. this this is part of writing. Yeah, and it's just like it's—you know—everyone is going to have a different easy part and hard part, mm-hmm. and but every like, it, there's always going to be a hard part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like part of what's part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is is. Because usually when I get to the hard part, I don't have anyone to talk about it mm-hmm. with. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Well, let me let me start by talking about some of this stuff. Yeah, please do. Um, so, you have five, five characters that are all part of this. You have Steve and Rebecca, who are kind of like the two leads. And then you have Cosmo and Lena, who are a couple who are Steve's friends. And they're the ones who own a brewery. Um, and... Uh, hire Rebecca to do social mar- social media for him. Okay. Um, and then Rebecca is with another guy, Jordan, who's a talent scout for a record label, and they, they you see them all meet. Or Jordan and Steve and Rebecca have their 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 whole little story at the beginning of the movie in college, mm-hmm. and she stays with him, and, uh, and they've been together for like five years now. Um, but one of the main themes of it is uh, like. You've got Steve just kind of down on his luck, seeking love and inspiration, maybe some sort of mixture of the two things. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of what he's looking for, you know, when you start out. Um, and Rebecca is the, kind of a country girl seeking her, her place in life and what makes me special and seeking validation in the wrong places and realizing that. Mm-hmm. And realizing that she's seeking validation as a person from Jordan and realizing Jordan is and He's he's the since he's a talent Jordan is since he's a talent scout for a record that was always out and always partying and always hung over and it's like half half his day is gone and the other half is gone to being out and doing that kind of thing. Um and so the the relationship is that Rebecca and Lena, you, you see them meet and become best friends basically. Right. Um and through Lena and Cosmo, Steve re-meets Rebecca again. And their, their, their arc isn't really so much the, the center of the story. It's just kind of what happens at the end. You're like, oh, I'm glad that finally happened. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, the, the biggest thing is that Cosmo is a brewer who's realizing he's kind of an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And is, is somebody's made him realize that what he's doing in this whole whole business venture is to validate his alcoholism and that, that's, oh. that's kind of dawned on him that's really interesting and and Jordan is an alcoholic and doesn't give a shit because he's like it's my job right this is, this is my work and I like what I do yeah, um, so people are like, "Are you? Do you ever think about maybe you drink too much?" And he's like, "Fuck yeah!" Yeah, dude. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I do. I think about it as I'm drinking. Um, There's two words for what I am, and the first word is functioning. And so what ends up happening is that Lena and Rebecca wind up bonding over being with guys who are drunk all the time. Oh, interesting. And okay. the and the big turn is that. Cosmo changes and, and gives it up, but Jordan doesn't. Right. Um, and that's kind of where where that you know, falls up. You know, he falls out of the story, kind of. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, that that that's kind of the 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 way that it's shaping, at least in terms of these characters, is that like. There, there's a little bit of that serendipity in there with with them meeting in college and meeting later and just kind of but you, you there, there's more things to it now I guess and so I was gonna say yeah. when uh, in the first two weeks that we talked about this story uh, it seemed that Steve and Rebecca were like absolutely the leads it was their story uh-huh. and now you're are you seeing this more as like an ensemble thing where different people are going through rites of passage or 
Well, I, I want to focus on making sure that all five of these people change in some way throughout the film. Okay. Um, and that no, that's not to say that um, I'm going to try and spread the spread the love evenly, you know? Mm-hmm. Steve is the main character. Rebecca is the B character. Jordan is the, the antagonist in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, Cosmo and Leonardo are kind of the fourth and fifth that reflect Steve and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. If Steve and Rebecca would wake up and listen. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, um, well, but it is yeah. for sure an ensemble piece because I do want them all to be sort of fleshed out characters in, in some kind of way. Yeah. We, you know, you were the first of the three of us to kind of have a skeleton of the story mm-hmm. with like, this is sort of the beginning I want, this is where I want them to end up, here are some of the, the pieces along the middle with the, the medical crisis and sort of the time yeah. jump and all that. Um, I've, I've read a lot of your writing and I know that what you what really sucks you in mm. to a story is when you fall in love with the characters Yeah, and you know I'm, I'm a big believer that structure and you know the, save the cat, the hero's journey, all of that is um I, those aren't rules, they're tools. Yeah. It's like, if you're, it's like, hey, my man. That, that's if, that's, that's yeah. kind of what I realized this week, too, is it's like, I've been reading all the rules, and at this point, I just need to say, fuck it, break them for a little bit. Well, it's, <laughs> it's more like, I the way I think of structure is like chalk when you're uh-huh. rock climbing, where it's like, hey, so you do you, but just so you know, this does work if you're having trouble. Like if if you're if you're going forward and you feel really clear on sort of what happens next and all that, like uh, go for it, like yeah. like Sally forth. If you are stuck, though, just be aware this seems to work, right. and and take you know take advantage of that as much as it's helpful for you. Um, the reason I bring that up is because I feel like at this point. <laughs> it probably is not that helpful for you to say like what's my dark night of the soul mm-hmm. what's my I feel like yeah I already yeah. I did that and it was like I, it wasn't enough yet yeah, yeah. Um, one thing which yeah I feel like you're at the stage where you need to fall in love with these characters mm-hmm. and, and get way too invested in their backstories and yeah. their histories um, one thing that popped into my head as you were describing this mm. is uh, <clears throat> for you listeners at home I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and uh, that was his sexy voice that was my sexy Dungeons and Dragons voice um, there's a there's a, a character creation game that mm. I read about at one point that I usually like to do with uh, players when I play which is you know you come up with like the big idea for your character mm. and sort of they're uh, uh, a, a, a cursed wizard yeah. and then you come up with their sort of big one sentence why they're doing what they're doing my, my town was destroyed and I swore an oath and then there's this really interesting suggestion which is you have to come up with uh, something that is like 
really special that they have that's like an edge over other people you have to come up with like a big flaw that they have and you have to come up with, you know there's like sort of the, the things that you would expect for creating a, a character right, but yeah. the the thing which i thought was interesting is they say none of them can have anything to do with that first big idea yeah if if you're playing a noble knight who uh, is never tells a lie and you know is is fulfilling a promise then their flaw isn't I am way too trusting of strangers and I never tell a lie your flaw is I'm terrified of bees (laughs) (laughs) a a totally unrelated thing that has nothing to do with it And, and what ends up happening is if you force yourself to have a totally separate you know, flaw that is nothing related to what uh-huh. the, the log line is. Yeah. Slowly a three-dimensional person starts to emerge. Yeah. And I noticed that when you were describing the characters, it always related to their place in the plot. Right. And I think it, it might be a good homework assignment to say, like, what is something about Cosmo yeah. that has absolutely nothing to do with him being a brewer or an alcoholic or a friend of these people. Yeah. What if he was a competitive Starcraft player in middle school? (laughs) What is that? And the answer is like, what does that have to do with the story? Nothing. Yeah. Except maybe that gives you an idea for something that will happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and the sort of, I, I would, I would recommend giving yourself permission to, write stuff for these characters that has absolutely no bearing on the narrative that you're going to tell because yeah. I feel like you know the direction the boat's facing yeah come come up with you know just fall in love with the characters and then you can you can start you can start uh yeah, you can start the engines and, and start moving the boat forward yeah just to piggyback a little bit on uh, Silas's chalk for a rock climbers comment I had this screenwriting professor uh, years ago who uh, always used the same um, analogy which is uh, and he, he like kind of forgot that he'd used it seven times before in the class and he, said, he would just say the analogy over and over and we'd be like we get it Patrick <laughs> but uh, the analogy was um, these things that we're teaching you are tools mm-hmm. like Sasa they're not rules they're tools but uh, if you know you're, if you have a specific set of tools, that'll inform right. what you build or do. Like yeah. you wouldn't use a hammer to make soup. Yeah. You could, you could kind of smash the garlic together with a hammer and like try to use the 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 back part of it as, yeah, as a yeah. knife or something. But you, if you have a hammer, use it to hammer something. Uh-huh. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. You got to use the the right tool for that situation. And I've been in a maintenance yeah, yeah. program. And two other uh, things sort of related to that are um, the uh, I, I think it was the same professor, it might have been a different one, who said uh, that every story basically is a three-act story, even if you don't think of it as one, mm-hmm. because every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, and if you break it down further than that, then, you know, it's, it's whatever, just do your thing. But, uh, if not, you know, it's, it's about thing number three, which is finding your way into the story. Right. Uh, for me, 
I I lean on structure a lot because mm-hmm. it helps me. Yeah. Um, I was reading How to Write Movies for Profit by Thomas Lennon and Robert Ben Garen. Fantastic book. It's very fun. One of my favorite screenwriting books. Oh, it's it's exceptional, and it uh, it has this whole thing. Their their structure chapter is about two pages long, literally. Yeah, and uh, then their characters chapter is also about two pages long, mm-hmm. and it just says, "Look, if it helps you to do a lot of homework on your characters and figure out what they had for breakfast and who they were like in middle school and what they used to dress like or whatever, yeah, do it. Whatever, fine, do it. It doesn't help us, yeah. uh, but it might help you. Yeah, uh, because for me, like I like to think of of, of the plot as a whole." Uh, and the characters driving it mm-hmm. uh, kind of interconnected yeah. but uh, Saz is right I've, I've read some of your writing you tend to have the characters drive the plot mm-hmm. and, as the, the leading thing that yeah, is, yeah. is going on like uh, you know things happen because of the way that you imagine their interactions going once you've gotten to really know them yeah so uh, yeah I think uh, I think don't worry too much about the exact sequence of events right yeah. now. Just once you figured out what you love about this, then you'll you'll get in there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I feel like part of it is that I'm just going to keep discovering as I keep moving forward. You know, yeah. I, I can't stay in this place right now and not go forward with like making the making the cards and doing the, the forty things. Um, if only because I know I'll start learning more about them through this. Sure. You know? And and that as long as I keep asking questions, I'll be okay. Yeah. You know? I also think a very important thing to mention is, you know, last week we talked about four weeks of prep, 12 weeks of writing. Uh-huh. That does not need to look like at the end of four weeks, all of your note cards are done. All of your scenes have been no, chosen. Yeah, and I don't even, I, I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm on a little bit of a, a different timeline. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I write a little differently, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think Peter and I have a more similar to each other style of writing, yeah. which is very structure heavy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, sort of, but that's that's because that. I, I read yeah. a lot of the Paul's epistles as a kid, so I'm a little touchy feeling when it comes to everything. Yeah, and you hate gays.